Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and we are joined by his... Similarly named, but not brother from another mother, Oran McIntyre, our still relatively new colleague here uh, at Blaze TV that we're happy to have with us for the Days Group in a few minutes. Literally, one of the smartest people I have gotten to meet in the last year, for real. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I find myself utilizing terms like total state and stuff almost subconsciously. Um, so if you are not following his stuff, you want to know about a guy who th- just gets the larger stakes at play here and what we're talking about daily. He does, man. He knows how to connect the dots. So you, he's got a new podcast here on Blaze TV you can subscribe to as well. Uh, cool dude, too. So uh, he'll be joining us here in just a few minutes for the day group. Feedback Friday is coming up next hour. And I got to tell you, one of our one of our uh, listeners slash viewers because I don't ever find out, you know, when you email me, I don't know sometimes if you watch on Blaze TV or YouTube or Rumble or you just listen to the podcast or Blaze Radio. And so uh, gave us an idea that is so good. You guys are going to think, why did we not think about this? All right, so stay tuned for that to lead off Feedback Friday next hour. But if you guys don't mind, just to, can you indulge me for just a couple of minutes uh, here at the top of the show? If you Your don't mind. show? It is my show, but you know, you guys, I'm going to ask you just to be a little patient. A um, couple uh, things uh, that uh, uh, today's a big day for a couple of things. Uh, first, you know, let me lower this so you can see the shirt. I'm wearing my, uh, my dark side of the moon uh, shirt here today. 50 years ago this week is when this album was released. And I got to tell you, you go back, I, I think it's one of the all-time goats. You go back and listen to it now. L- l- read the lyrics to the songs now. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. I mean, doesn't that sound a lot like what we have talked about? Just sitting around passively watching Fox News. No one giving us any marching orders. Just being told continuously, uh, vote your way out of this. Vote Republican to save yourselves in the most important election of your lifetimes every year. Right, right, right. Sure. And so those hippie boomer burnouts, man, they freaking nailed a lot. They did. Now, they had almost all the wrong solutions. <laughs> right? And that's kind of what the movie Jesus Revolution is about. They have almost all, they had almost all the wrong solutions. But in terms of identifying the problems, man, you know, it's a little bit like if you watch clips of Joe Rogan with Russell Brand yesterday, oh. it's a little bit like that. Okay. A couple guys all tatted up with F-bombs, but they're pretty much nailing like every one of the existential questions in the culture at the same time. It's just, do they understand what the actual solutions are to what it is that they are lamenting? Right. Mm -hmm. So they, at least I got to give those hippie boomer burnouts uh, like at Pink Floyd. I got to give them at least half credit for nailing at least half of the existential stakes. And that's all over an album, a classic that's 50 years old now uh, this week. I wanted to mention that. And I also wanted to mention here at the start, I I completely forgot about this and it dawned on me this morning. Seven years ago this weekend, which is the last time I was at CPAC, by the way, seven years ago this weekend at CPAC is when we debuted a nefarious plot, the book. Seven years ago this weekend. Of course, a lot of symbolism there. If you you have ears to hear on the number seven, obviously. And, you know, I had no idea. Uh, Most people even, you know, I was still, 
uh, I had been involved in the Cruz presidential campaign, which had raised my um, name ID quite a bit, but still even most of the people at CPAC had no idea how to pronounce my last name. I still run into that a lot, uh, you know, now, right? And uh, we debuted the book there. It was modestly successful. You know, I think something like uh, less than 5% of books released new every year will sell more than 2,000 copies. We sold a few thousand copies, so that's great. But nothing like Rise of the Fourth Reich and certainly nothing like Fauci and Bargain, for example. Modestly successful, and I thought, you know, that that chapter of my career was done and I moved on. I had no idea, none at all, that seven years later, that book would go a long way toward just frankly changing and altering the direction of my career, if not life. I had no idea. Six weeks from today, uh, we are going to be releasing the movie It Inspired in theaters across the country. You should start seeing, um, maybe as soon as this weekend, you should start seeing posters for the film if you and and we started out by sending it, we we, don't, we we cannot release the official list of theaters yet. You'll get that on the website. Who is nefarious later this month? But you'll get a pretty good idea of the theaters that are on board with showing it on whether you'll see the poster there uh, in their theater in the next couple of weeks, maybe even as soon as this as this weekend. And I mean, I got a list of um, of what theaters we're going to have here locally in uh, our local area are going to have the movie for now. And where we're going to have the one sheet, I have a list of, uh, of where, at least in our market, we don't live in a major market. We're like a barely top 100 TV market. So um, Regal and AMC do not provide trailer placement uh, lists for markets of our size. But I do know our local Cinemark Theater, the mall right by the house where we live, uh, when the trailer is going to be running in which movies this weekend. Um, you probably won't see it in any of the first run movies because we frankly don't have, not first run, debut movies. So you won't see it in front of Creed 3. It's very hard uh, to get a trailer in front of a major release if you're not aligned with that studio opening weekend because they want to make sure they're promoting their own stuff first. You may see it in front of Creed 3 like next weekend or the week after. You'll certainly see it in front of Scream the, the, the after its debut week. You'll see it in front of John Wick after its debut week. Except actually, I take it back. When those movies come out, you're going to see the full trailer for the movie. And that full trailer is something else now. Okay? But... um I'm, I'm literally was making plans with my wife about which movie are we going to go buy tickets to this weekend just to walk in. Cause I think, I think one of the movies it's showing in front of is knock at the cabin. All right. So do I just buy it to which movie are we going to go and, uh, and just buy a ticket to, I've done this one time in my life when the Phantom Menace came out, the Phantom Menace trailer debuted in front of a movie called wing commander based on a, a very popular PC game. And I just bought a ticket, had no interest at all in the movie. It looked terrible. It had Mark Hamill and Freddie Prince Jr. And it, it was decided to stick around and eat the popcorn. And it was dreadful. But initially, I just bought a ticket just to go in and see the trailer for The Phantom Menace. Because you know how long it took to download a full movie trailer on, on 56.6 dial-up baud modem in 1999? For evs, yo. That's how long. So I've not, it, I've not done that this century. But I'm going to go with my family and just buy tickets to go and watch the trailer for a movie I produced in the theaters. And I mean, I just had no idea sitting there at CPAC. We had a nice line, you know, nothing like the kind of lines that the Glenn Becks and Mark Levins have earned and they get, you know, 20, 30 people showed up to get a book signing, you know, with the debut of, of Nefar- and we were of a nefarious plot. And we thought we were like, wow, we've arrived. 
we had no idea where this book was going to take us seven years later. That's what God does. And that's what God does. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, uh, that's why I referred to it as a mustard seed. Had no, I mean, no clue. None. None. And I mean, with God, all things are possible. This has been, we would not be here to this point um, without him. Uh, the, the, everything that's had to be endured, navigated, defeated to get to this point, the doors that he's opened for us at the same time. Here's so much talk. When we, when we tend to talk about spiritual warfare, we, we tend to talk about it only in like the most ominous tones. Like the devil is the only one wielding it. I have to say, I have to say what I have seen God do through this process via attacks on my marriage, my family, um, my own conscience, character, uh, the ability to get this movie made and finished. I, I don't know that I have ever had a stronger, more resolved faith than I do after enduring all of this over the last couple of years, uh, some of which we will reveal later this year in a, when we do the behind-the-scenes future, when we get to the DVD portion. But, I mean, this is the weekend now that the rest of the country is going to begin to start hearing about this little, this little idea that we have been annoying all of you with on this show for how many years now? And it'll be this weekend, theaters around the country... And a lot of people around the country who have no idea who in the Sam Hill I am, for the first time, they're going to see this. Do you think I'm evil? Evil isn't a clinical diagnosis. I'd like to ask about why you brought me here today. Do you believe in demonic possession? No. Well, you won't believe anything we're about to tell you. And give me something to make me believe you. Okay. Let me inhabit you. He got in your head, didn't he? He claims he's a demon. He's a master manipulator. By the time he's done with you, you have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer. Before you leave here today, you will have committed three murders. Why would I do that? What, what, what are you doing? My name is Nefariamus. Names are important. They have power. They let everyone know who we are. We can all debate after you see the movie. The movie's like Ivermectin, all right? We can all debate it's whether it, how effective it truly is. You'll be able to debate after you see the movie how good you think it is. But I promise you um, that for our worldview, despite the way it looks and sounds, it is not dangerous. This movie is going to say everything you've ever wanted a mainstream Hollywood movie to ever say. It's going to say them. But it is going to say them in a way and in a tone and in a packaging that mainstream Hollywood has conditioned people to accept messaging. It's just they're going to get our messaging this time instead. So I want to thank all of you um, that have been with our show for how many, how, whether you've been with us from the beginning when we were just a ragtag group and whether you joined us here in the last few years uh, when we grew over 400% on one of the largest and freest platforms here at the Blaze in the country, because uh, we wouldn't be where we're at without their amplification of a platform as well. So I want to thank everybody for getting us to this point. 
thank Todd, Oran, and Aaron for their patience because let's now, without further ado, get to the day script. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with bleep Lord Nefarious says. How did we get to a point where we treated other human beings as slaves and, and were okay with that? When I, when I see the, the Make America Great Again, my comment is, do you, do you, do you accept that that could possibly be construed as a racist remark? But, and by the way, you know, I'm not, I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. I'm just struggling to understand why the president wouldn't go to East Palestine. It does it simply not meet the bar for a presidential visit? Look, I don't, I, I, I want to be very clear here. Um, there's no reason to struggle. In 2022 and for the first couple of months of 2023, DOJ has announced charges against 34 individuals for blocking access to or vandalizing abortion clinics. And there have been over 81 reported attacks on pregnancy centers, 130 attacks on Catholic churches since the leak of the Dobbs decision, and only two individuals have been charged. So how do you explain this disparity uh, by reference to anything other than politicization of what's happening there? Those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers, uh, which is a a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night um, in the dark, uh, but um, uh, these people who are doing this are clever and are doing it in secret. If it happens so that Ukraine, uh, due to various opinions and weakening, depleting of assistance, uh, uh, loses, Russia is going to enter. Baltic states, NATO member states, and then the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war, and they will have to fight. March is National Nutrition Month, and the Biden-Harris administration is taking action to support public health by offering evidence-based guidance on nutrition. The Trump administration repealed requirements for an electronic braking system because according to them, the safety benefits were simply not worth the costs. Let me say that again. In 2017, the Trump administration decided to repeal requirements for brake upgrades because they didn't think the safety benefits were worth the cost. I think the people of East Palestine know exact, now know that that analysis was wrong. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> First question goes to you, Oran. What was the best of the worst of everything you just saw? Well, I think you have to appreciate Zelensky you know, ordering a draft of the American American youths to go fight his war. But I think the most horrific one has to be uh, Merrick Garland uh, pretending that we don't have the technology to catch criminals at night. 
I had to watch that clip a couple times. I'm like, that's what we're going with? We, we, we can't catch people who do stuff at night? I mean, that's the best they have in 2023. It was dark out. <laughs> that's it. Well, it works that, for Batman. That is it. it works that, for Batman. Yeah. I mean, you can't that, just that say the rule of law is over. What's that? You can't just announce that the rule of law is over. You yes. can't be like, yeah, we, we just don't punish crimes if we agree with the criminal. What, what? So, he has to, so you know, it's dark outside. <laughs> that's why. We told you he, he gets it, guys. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, at this point, why don't we just say it's the purge and make it a fair fight? Let's just say it's the purge. After dark, it's the purge every night. So you want, you want to get your full, full on Kyle Rittenhouse? And we can't catch criminals at night, so you get your full on Kyle Rittenhouse uh, at night and... By sunrise, we clean up the mess and nobody looks the other way. That would be, there would be more justice in that than what he is suggesting. Todd, what about you? Well, Oran, you said something, I think it was earlier today. If uh, That's when I saw it. It may have been yesterday. But you were commenting on uh, somebody about leadership and you said you don't expect to put weak people in positions of power and expect them to know how to utilize that power. Expect weakness. Well, that's why my worst of the week is what happened at that uh, soccer game, wherever that was, where the kids are carrying out the flag. Uh, for a long, long time, you, you've seen clips, of, you know, bad parent behaviors. Okay, fine, whatever. But worst parent behavior is ultimately what most people have defaulted to as parents. Uh, it doesn't matter what the youth sports league, high school club, or so. You've been condescended to for so long. And they tell you, because you're a parent, you know nothing. Sit there. Don't Honestly, there's been regulations about sit there, never complain. Don't even clap because you're, you're making the other team feel bad. This has happened in states like California on soccer sidelines, all kinds of sports. You're a moron. And the people who are telling you this... Our people are, are not experts in anything. They just happen to be the coach running the league. They know nothing. And you believe this stuff, and you have for a long time. And so you've been allowed to be manipulated to sit there and clap like seals while this happens, while the soccer people are now the experts on transing your kids. It's a preposterous notion. You're the parent of your children. And in all manner of things and i include in a manner of things when there are actual real experts involved perhaps medicine things like that you have an equal seat at the table as anybody anybody and if you don't believe that aaron is absolutely right you you accept nothing but weakness weakness will be your default in all things aaron you know, it's Chuck Schumer, not because I thought it was a, you know, effective demagogue there trying to link the Trump administration to the derailment by, you know, breaks or something, even though it wasn't breaks. I thought it was actually that was the worst of the week because I, I think this I think this town deserves a better class of demagogue. Heck, we had a state senator in the Minnesota State Senate just I think last week calling his uh, Republican colleagues and this is by the way a son of Somali immigrants calling his Republican colleagues terrorists and saying mm -hmm. they look like terrorists. And here we have Chuck. That is just weak, bro. We deserve a better class of demagogue, and that's the worst of the week. Hmm. Let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to ten. With one being the odds you'd want Joe Biden to breathe on you, 
More on that later. Uh, and 10 being the odds Lindsey Graham would like to do heavy breathing with any of the three of you gentlemen currently sitting on this panel. You excluded yourself from that? Yes. <laughs> I think Todd established at the beginning, it's my, my name's on the title. So yes, you, the three of you are up for violation. I have exempted myself. <laughs> Rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. 10. Todd. 10. Moron. I'm going to go with a very uncomfortable 10. <laughs> Thank you. Issue two. Is this a, quote, state-sanctioned religious ritual? We go now to the United Kingdom, where video has surfaced of an act from an organization called Kaba Baba Rave. What you're watching now is leaked video from a supposed all-ages drag event. For those of you listening, parents with toddlers and even some infants sit on the floor while they watch men performing provocatively while wearing next to no clothing. After Kaba Baba Rave's social media pages were raided and showed they targeted children especially, they've since shut those pages down. Also last weekend in the UK, a protested and heavily counter-protested supposed all-ages drag brunch at the Honor Oak Pub resulted in five arrested. Yeah, five protesters were arrested. So there's that. So the people doing the protesting, not the people doing the pedo grooming. Yes. All right. Checks out. So Oran, I, I, I went with this phraseology because I saw it on your Twitter feed. All right. You described this as a, quote, state-sanctioned religious ritual, end quote. Tell us why. Well, you know, th this one is, of course, horrific, but we've seen even worse before. We've seen these where the trans strippers are just completely exposing themselves to young children, just uh, genitals and then fake breasts and whatever to these children. And people ask me all the time, why is no one getting arrested? Why is no one being carried away? You know, this is clearly illegal. This this is obviously a violation of the law. And the answer is, this is state sanctioned. The, the state wants this. The state approves this. And they want this to happen. So all of the agents of the state, all the police officers, they know to steer clear because if they got involved, if they actually tried to enforce the letter of the law, the the uh, de jure factor of the law, they know they would actually get in trouble because de facto this is legal. And not only is it legal, it's actually directly encouraged by the state. These parents aren't ashamed of what they're doing because what they're doing is demonstrating their, uh, their allegiance to power. They're letting the people who are in charge know, we agree with this and we're willing to put our children on this altar so that they can experience this ritual that you now want to hand down to all of our children. I thought that's what you meant, but I wanted you to explain this to our audience because I now want to get Todd and Aaron's response to what he just laid out. Of, co of course, and the Rosetta Stone to me for all of this is that it, not just the protesters there, but the, there, there's no cops showing up to that thing, but they have cops have shown up in multiple occasions in the UK to arrest people for praying by themselves outside abortion clinics, I believe, in both places. So it's, it's taking care... It's taking care of their the their religion's competitors too. A purge is going on there. Uh, so, uh, of course, I think this is uh, undeniable. When I, I I don't even the next thing is child sacrifice. Isn't this just a variation of it? Oh yes, but I mean actual like there will be blood. I mean, if you, if to me, this is, this is Aaron, the difference between a pagan and a demonic culture, pagan religions were the, was the worship of demons, but there was still some notion the the, the, the demonic realm could not just go complete nihilism. 
There, there was still some honor embedded in the culture. There had to be some still noble purpose for the sacrifice, right? And so child sacrifice was taught, but they weren't transing their children, right? The, you, you sac- it was an honor to be sacrificed to the deity. And then the other children were then raised up in the honor code of said pagan yeah. deity, right? Here, we're, we're just determining that the children are chattel uh, comprehensively. There's not an in, we're not just taking one virgin and putting her in the wicker man. Okay. We're not just taking your oldest and throwing them into, into, into Molech. In this case, as on a comprehensive level, there's no honor. There's no higher calling. There's no ethic, not even a pagan one. There's just darkness, pure demonic nihilism. Yep. And, and the darkness as Todd likes to say in another uh, venture, that is the point. Yeah, I, I mean that's. I think you hit the nail on the head there. The, this in antiquity, if civilizations or tribes would engage in this, it was you know in in paganism there was still this sense of hey that tribe over there wants our land or that civilization beyond that sea wants our land. We better do our darndest to at least procreate here. Nope, this is just lighting ourselves on fire for the sake of lighting ourselves on fire. There's nothing, nothing, nothing going on here other than straight up 200 proof nihilism and i uh, this rings in my head in my and i don't know i can't remember if this was uh, during tucker carlson's talk at the family leadership summit here in iowa last uh, july i think it was but talking about how demonically i guess uh, influenced this culture is you see people and his point was you see people doing things that is not even in their best interest mm-hmm. politically or on any level mm-hmm. that's another indication that, that I, it's just you can't make sense of it this is going beyond some men just want to watch the world burn some men just want to set themselves on fire mm-hmm. for fun so Oran, how would you react to what they had to say about your analysis I mean, I think that's largely correct. You look at what's happening here, and it, let, let's just be clear. You know, we've seen a lot of these like goofballs in the Church of Satan show up to these uh, state legislatures that are trying to ban this stuff, and they're always saying, claiming, uh, "Oh, this is part of our religious ritual." Well. I think we should just believe them, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, you, you notice that the beliefs of the Church of Satan seem to line up exactly with what the regime wants to push on kids. I, I think they're just telling the truth. I don't think we need to pretend there is no such thing as ironic Satanism. Okay. These people <laughs> are just telling you the truth and you might as well just believe them because they really mean it. Even if they are laughable, you know, even if these people are, you know, they look like they just got done with a raid on, on world of Warcraft, you know, they, they do mean what they say. So I've only got a couple of minutes and not nearly enough time to open up this can of worms, but so we'll kind of leave this as a dangling participle. What all of you are saying is that this is a zero-sum game. Correct. Everybody understands that, right? And we were damn fools for thinking it was yep. anything other than that to begin yeah. with. We yeah, wanted I, I, to believe we had arrived at the end of history, where we had figured it out. We had, you mean like the stage of syncretism in the seven deadly worldviews. Yeah. We had figured out a way to make all this yeah. booyah-based goulash of beliefs all work we're together. We're just too comfortable. We yeah. won't torpedo this thing. Oh, Nefarious wants this one more than any of the other ones. It's going to get torpedoed. Yeah, but at CPAC it, it, this weekend, I'm guessing we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of talk about how to win the other side over and uh, practice the art of persuasion. Right? That's what we're going for here. I'm getting emails from people telling me that that they thought Dr. Peter McCullough just got uh, censored at CPAC doing a show there. Oh, cool. I don't know what this is about, but I mean, it wouldn't 
that wouldn't surprise me. But uh, it's a zero-sum yeah. game. Uh, that, that's yeah. the reality is the darkness never intended to share space with the light. It just told you this until it had it, it, what it thought would be the advantage. And now we're at the end of the, we're at the final line of Animal Farm. They will now walk on their hind legs. They're li- they'll live in the farmer's house now. Did you see Jesse Kelly's tweet about Sodom and Gomorrah today? No. He said, I, I could never wrap my brain around that lot offering up his daughters, you know, in yeah, place. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's like, I, I totally, I totally get it now based on all this tragedy. Watching madness. these it parents, wa- watching the moms. Yes. Just holding up their babies. They're infants. Yes. Exit question. How long do you think this country actually has? Aaron. In its current form, less than 15 years. Todd. What do you mean? Define that however you would like. I, it's already struck midnight. Like it could, like it, do you, I think it could exist as like a Romans one whitewashed tomb and just until it buggers itself out of that, existence. Just, right? And that could take decades. That's yeah. just land floating on water where right. people yeah. live. Yeah. That's not this country. Yeah. yeah. Oran, how would you answer that? I think it can decay for a long time. I think it, it will, it will, pieces of it will fall apart slowly if that's the case. But I, I think you're far more likely to see a slow division than you are to see a complete collapse. But anything's possible. All right. So that is that question is an excellent segue to where we are going next. Because we got, a, we got an apologetic this week from one of the least likely places that I think we absolutely have to discuss. From the mayor of New York City, we will talk about this when we come back. So proud here on the show and really uh, on the blaze as a whole to partner with our, our friends over at Preborn. Um, they have rescued over 200,000 babies. The majority of the women who come to their clinics are pressured to abort. Uh, Preborn seeks these women out before they make the ultimate choice and introduces them to life growing, the life growing inside them uh, through a free ultrasound. And uh, we are there to, uh, we are the fuel. Those of us that watch and listen to this show, we are the fuel that allows Preborn to make these free to these women. And then... And it's not just, hey, they see the heartbeat. They see that this is indeed precious life they are carrying. And that's why over about 80% of the time, I think it is, uh, they will let their baby have life. And that's just 28 bucks to save a life, about 80% of the time. 28 bucks, that's it. But it's also um, the aftercare they provide for free as well. Because just take it from me as a kid born to a 15-year-old mom who literally grew up with his mom. We always act as if the, 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 the happy ending is the choice of life. It ain't easy. Just because you were a mom in crisis now, not ending your pregnancy, doesn't mean the crisis is over. It's not easy being that mom in crisis with a baby. And so they're there with the aftercare as well. All of that for free, too, because of the kindness and generosity of people like you and me. Uh, so if you want to be a part of this tremendous ministry, because uh, the, the child sacrifice, the state-sanctioned religious rituals we were just discussing, they don't ever stop, and so neither can we. All right, just dial pound 250 on your mobile device with the keyword baby. Pound 250 on your mobile device with the keyword baby. Or, if this is simpler, 
because it is for me. Um, just go to preborn.com slash Steve. Preborn.com slash Steve. Let's welcome back Oran McIntyre, who is joining us, our colleague here at Blaze TV. Definitely subscribe to his podcast and check it out. Uh, he is with us this week for the day group. Let's get to issue three. Seeing the light? When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. We are destroying our next generation. <laughs> destroying them. And we say over and over again, we need to build a world that's better for our children. No, we need to build children that's better for our world. <laughs> and we have to be honest about that. And it means instilling in them some level of faith and belief. Ingrid was so right. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. When I walk, I walk with God. When I talk, I talk with God. When I put policies in place, I put them in with a God-like approach to them. That's who I am. And I was that when I was that third grader, and I'm going to be that when I lead government. I am still a child of God and will always be a child of God, and I won't apologize about being a child of God. It is not going to happen. Is the mayor of New York City seeing the light here, or is it something else? Todd, I'll start this one with you. Well, that's Eric Adams, by the way, mayor yeah, of New York City. I setting have said aside that. everything you've known about him, which is, I didn't necessarily see this one coming, but that's the point. This is this as much or more than Asbury is the stuff of revival. Uh, and as I got done saying, I don't remember the context, I think just last week, one, one of the problems with mankind in general is that we, the perception that we have no more frontiers, we're just, the world is now, we talk about it's just getting smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. Sp uh, space may be being one of them, but that, that's kind of a different can of, uh, Worms. I mean, on this mortal coil, what is our frontier? And I said, I believe that reconquering, reclaiming our cities is one of them. Hmm. And it's going to take nothing short of this. And then the next group you have, the meeting that you have after this is, how do we put hands and feet on this thing? Um, it's, again, I, maybe, maybe he's a total fraud and we don't hear anything about this again. But... If you're willing to walk in faith, I, how could he have done any better? What do you think, Aaron? So I, I, I'm erring on the side. So I, I actually, it's funny you brought up Asbury, Todd, because I'm kind of erring. Um, I'm erring on that side, or at least my approach with that, which is kind of a wait and see. For now, for now, you know, based on everything we know about Eric Adams uh, and what he has done or not done so far in New York City, this kind of strikes me as the uh, blind squirrel finding the occasional nut type of thing, but I'm not going to just condemn this uh, out uh, offhand right away. But you're absolutely right. We need hands and feet. And when that happens, that is a true sign of revival, at least on a micro level. And when I think we need more people like 
Will Keeps. Now, Will Keeps is a guy here in our own community in Des Moines. He had a very difficult upbringing and background, was sexually abused as a youth, I believe, mm -hmm. was just destined, it seemed like, to live a life of crime, being involved with gangs. But God turned his life around, and um, and in response to that, instead of just seeing seeing the issues with, let's just say, the hood, seeing the issues that are, you know, a new generation of young people who uh, shared his background were going to have, and the choices that they were going to have were the same that he had, instead of just saying, hey, that's really bad, um, but I made the right choice, he did something about it, and he started this school for at-risk youth here in Des Moines. Now, you might have heard of him. You just talked about him on the show a couple, two, three weeks ago. Um, a gang-involved shooting happened at that place, but he survived. Two of the, his students did not. But that's actually made him and his organization even stronger in the aftermath. That's what it looks like to have a U-turn, a repentance, and then doing something about it, at least in the urban setting. And I hope that Mayor Adams, I hope that this newfound sense, I guess, of enlightenment or at least clear-headedness, I hope that's heading towards the, the same or at least close to the same place, because that would be uh, kind of a big deal. That's the, the nation's biggest city. But I'm just taking overall, I'm just taking kind of a wait-and-see approach with this. Oran, what say you? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Todd and Aaron. I think that this is really excellent talk. It's exactly what you want to hear. But really, what really matters is the walk. What is Adams going to do about this? What specific policy is he going to put in place that pushes back against the regime and its demented uh, morality? What kind of action, what kind of uh, thing can we expect him to do that really shows his willingness to buck up against, uh, you know, kind of the enforced uh, mm -hmm. hedonism? that comes from so many of, of these sources. I think that once we see him take a real action on something like this, then you can say, okay, this is this is something that he truly believes. That's that's when it really counts. Okay, let's explore that for a second. What is the action that that from his position, not don't look at it from where we are. Let, let's try to practice some merciful empathy. From his position where he is politically and and the level of of endemic nature of what is 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 plaguing the culture that exists in his city at a plumb line level what is something that he could do that would show you okay we still may disagree on 15 other things but I think maybe you're starting to figure out the biggest problem that we actually have what would it be in his setting if I may take this first sure. in his setting in the biggest cities in this country we do not have any laws and this is not a nation of laws. Well, actually, this is a nation. We're not a nation of laws. We're a nation of political wills, always have been, always will be. We do not have laws in major urban centers in the United States. We have district attorneys. That's all. I would say the, a concrete first step for him, because a lot of people, New York City, crime infested, what have you. I think that's the biggest problem. On, and can I just walk down the street? I think that would, if he starts to go after district attorneys and actual law and order, the people who are actually charged okay. with, you know, charging people with crimes and actually enforcing the law, that's that's where I would go after okay. first. And he has a lot of political clout to be able to. to former, do that. he's a former, exactly. former police chief, right, or something. Yeah. I think. Okay. That, all right, that's good. Okay, Todd. Uh, I would uh, go on a tour of all of the uh, public schools. 
and I would uh, begin in prayer and end in prayer. I, that, that is something he could do. Puts his money where his mouth is, right? I would get used to the, the, the <clears throat> people who are actively going against everything he just said. Mm-hmm. Right into the heart of it. See, this is what we're. This is why I wanted to ask this question, Oran. When we talk about this from our perspective, it's sometimes we, we assume people are going to just jump to advanced calculus in one step, and that's just not how human nature works. So if we're going to be empathetic, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's not just using this political talk. And, and, and frankly, this wouldn't be the first time, if we're just being brutally honest, that someone, white or black, has not said these sorts of things to a largely black audience because they agree with it and then gotten in there and, and, and just, and, and given their black church speech, essentially, and then not govern mm-hmm. that way, right? We all know that, okay? So what are things that he could earnestly do that would get him to like algebra one? To show, okay, yeah, we're on a path here. What would you suggest, or on would, or or you can comment on Todd and Aaron's suggestions? No, I mean, I think they're both great. I really like the you know lead lead with prayer one is an excellent one. But we can just go for really low hanging fruit. We know that the you know that the we got these state religious rituals going on. They're certainly happening <clears throat> in New York City. Ban them. Mm-hmm. Get pass an ordinance. Put your money where we know this is really important to the powers that be. Tell them no in your city, not in my city. We protect children here. And if we're going to, again, just keep it real, when we see these videos of what Oren has described as the state-sanctioned religious rituals, guys, we ain't seen a lot of black and brown faces in there. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, almost, I, I don't know what you guys think, but like almost every single one of these videos I've seen from anywhere within yeah. the West has been Karen in there, suburban white woman. Yeah. All right. If we're going to talk about white devils, let's talk about white exactly. devils. So, I mean, this, I would think, I, I, I mean, I can promise you this. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a Louis Farrakhan guy in any way, stretch, shape or form, but this stuff doesn't happen in the nation of Islam communities. They're not, they're not taking their kids to drag queen story time hour. Right. I mean, they're fitting those kids with bow ties, like, you know, right. As they're getting potty trained. So I would think again, within his own native habitats and mm-hmm. communities doing what Oran is suggesting would probably get a lot of standing ovations yeah and and throughout harlem i'm in all right throughout uh you know frankly he'd have more problems in long island i would imagine long island would in brooklyn all right with the with the with the white suburbanites in those places would probably have more of an issue with him going full Josiah on the high places of the drag of the pedo groomers, I would guess, you know, I'd guess in Harlem and the other bureaus, they'd be like, about damn time somebody did something. And why am I not surprised it wasn't, we, we had to get somebody who wasn't white to finally shut these things down. I, am I wrong on that? No, oh, no, you're over the target. Absolutely. Okay. Let's get to the exit question then. For years on this show, we have proclaimed revival or bust. Are you leaning more towards this ending in revival or bust at the moment. Notice I got all existential questions this week because Oran's on the show. That's his jam. So what do you think, Oran? You think it's more likely revival or bust? I think you will see the return of uh, religious communities and serious Christianity, but I think I do not think it'll be nationwide. I think you'll see it locally. I, th- I think you'll see it in communities. I think you'll see those people building the uh, kind of the good works and the alternative institutions out. And if you see revival, those it'll be at the community level, not at one big sweeping nationwide action. Aaron, it's the answer is yes. We will re- we will see revival and bust. So a splintering, essentially, yep. which is kind of what Oran's also yep. describing. Todd? Just bust. Just bust. All right. Issue four, a kicker question. Joe Biden had this weird clip this week talking about some nurse breathing on him or something. The human touch. Thank you. 
So if you could ask one living person to breathe on you, whom would it be and why, Aaron? Frozone from The Incredibles. That's not a living person. <laughs> Don't tell me what I can't do. It's hot. Dude, it's 66 degrees, the thermostat in here, and I'm still a little warm. Moron, if you could have one living person breathe on you, whom would it be and, and why? I'm going to go very safe and uh, stick with my wife here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Kobayashi Maru answer. Very nice, Todd. Assuming this breath had power, like breathed on God power, a handyman. Oh, so you could like learn how to do some of these yes. things on your own. That's a great answer, yes. actually. There you go. All right, let's get to predictions. Oran, we'll let you go first. Uh, I'm going to predict something positive. I'm going to say that we're going to see an explosion in alternative institutions. We already have great uh, ones out there like Exit and New Founding that are trying to mm-hmm. find people non-woke jobs, uh, connect people with the ability to have careers outside of the woke system. And I think we're going to continue to see that grow and be very important. So last weekend, I went to Toledo to speak at a charter school. It's only three years old, guys. K, they're already They're already K through 12. Next wow. year, they are welcoming 70 kids into the kindergarten. It's one of the charter schools associated with Hillsdale College, uses the Hillsdale curriculum. 70 kindergartners are starting at this school next year. They're already K through 12. Um, that goes right into what Oranis was just talking about. I, I mean, we must have had four or 500 people at this fundraiser for this school that I was the keynote at last weekend. Just to, And this just has all happened since 2019. Aaron. I'm going to say that only one number one seed will make the final four in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I wouldn't be shocked if none did, which almost never See, I happens. wanted to predict that, but I didn't want to go that far. Though. Okay. Yeah. Todd? Whether it be by the city council, teachers union, some sort of other uh, woke group, uh, Mayor Adams will be officially censured for what he just did. Yeah, I, I think hope that happens, actually. I think that's a... Pre- I mean, this is this is a talking point, a left-wing talking point from like 30 years ago, separation. We've mm-hmm. moved way beyond that now, and he's going back and saying, no, mm-hmm. no. I kind of hope that happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Because that, that's one way you'll determine whether it's sincere or not. But they does won't it, be able to help Yeah. Does, does, does he genuflect, or does he say, oh, hell no? That'll tell you right there, yeah. kind of, right? Okay. Um, this one is for you. I'm going to predict that Aaron Rodgers is retiring from the NFL. Has played his last. That's down. for me. <laughs> well, it's in your wheelhouse. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I. I. At the very least, I believe he's played his last down for Green Bay. I think your organization wants to move on. I think they. The clock is ticking on Jordan Love's contract, and I think they want to move I on. Love, love. We are in the exact same place we were with Brett Favre and him as a rookie. In the exact same place. I know. Self awareness is utterly dead. I will tell you right now, if you all pull a quarterback out of your ass three in a row. Three generational quarterbacks in a row. I am firing you, okay? And then I am digging your grave out there on the water tower. If you guys do this to us, three generational quarterbacks in a row. No one gets to do that. No one does. Or You, are, you cannot possibly do that to us. Or are you promoting me? No. No, I will hate you more than ever. You cannot possibly have three generations. Nobody no. does that. You cannot pull that off. I didn't think we were going to do it the second time, so... All right. Hey, Oran, it was a pleasure. Thank you for uh, indulging us here at the top of the of the hour. You got real quick. I believe you got to see the movie in Dallas back in November, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, very exciting for you. Congratulations. Uh, the, that main actor who plays Nefarious is just, he's really great. He carries it. All right. Thank you, man. Good to see you. And we'll definitely have you back again soon. All right. God bless. And congrats on uh, joining the team here in the show. All right. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right. Feedback Friday is coming up next And man, one of our listeners has an idea you do not want to miss. We're going to lead off with it here in a moment.
right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also uh, find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. That's Truth Social. Uh, at Real Steve Dace. And again, remember, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. All of you who listen to the podcast, thank you so much. You're a big part, maybe the biggest part of our audience. Uh, Please, if you have yet to do this yet, clear your throat. And then uh, hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform that you prefer. You can also give us a five-star review. If you prefer to give us one of those, we would prefer that you did. And thank you to all of you that have chosen that preference already. We appreciate each and every single one. Feedback Friday, part one, brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Um, What do you think would happen if there was ever a deadly pandemic and there were cheap available drugs out there that had long been approved, won numerous awards, billions literally of doses worldwide had been handed out, and then all of a sudden, when you needed them the most, they just decided, ah, You can't have them. We'd fall to our knees and thank God. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Um, that should that that did just happen, actually. Um, So uh, and since no one so far has been executed for it after a fair trial, of course, of of course, yes, Um, it's also therefore quite likely to uh, happen again. That's why make sure you're prepared right now with our friends over at Jace Medical. Get the Jace case of five venerable antibiotics, including the hard-to-find amoxicillin or its uh, its sister, or is it brother, uh, uh, antibiotic for those of us like uh, me uh, that are the rare penicillic, penicillin allergic, uh, doxycycline. So my Jace case has doxycycline instead of amoxicillin. Uh, they will hook you up with those so that you know you are prepared for the next time. That could never happen here. Absolutely ends up happening here. All right, get the Jace case right now. Get that peace of mind. Get $10 off with my last name, Dace, at checkout for your promo code. When you go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, J as in jump at this right this minute. It's literally a life or death situation, potentially. JaceMedical.com. Enter the code Dace at checkout. Uh, Depending on if you do have allergic reactions like I did for penicillin, you may need to have a quick conversation with an onboarding physician there just to make sure they are treating you not as a serial number, but an actual person. JaceMedical.com. Promo code Dace to get $10 off. All right. I'm actually going to switch gears. I am going to get to this brilliant idea, but we got, we just received a few very snotty emails about things we have just been discussing that have, that have, have are so sufficiently snotty. I believe we should Excellent. get to them right away because it's fresh with things we were just talking okay. about. All right. So Mark writes, New York mayor, Eric Adams to speak at CPAC before you. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I think that's probably likely. Uh, Maddie. I agree. You should fire Todd if the Packers run out a third-generation quarterback in a row, especially as the Lions are turning the corner. It's, it's frankly the only right uh, moral thing to do at this point. So you'll have, it'll, it'll give you even more time to watch a third-generational quarterback in a row. You'll just have all kinds of free time, and you can enjoy that. So Can we re-rack your speech yesterday about getting off on the spite you feel when people yes. want to cancel you? Does that apply here? Yes. Come at, Come me, at me, Yes. All right. Um, Jason Faulkner writes, I'm 48. 
I've been married for 28 years, and I'm curious. You, you, I was listening yesterday, and you admit that winning the argument is the most important thing to your ego. How does that work with your wife? Who's to say that it does? <laughs> Um, I think I've, I think I've told you before, I am not the easiest person to live with. Right. So, um, yeah, that's my answer. It is a ridiculous cliche in many walks of life, uh, and usually used by men who just don't want to fight, but when it comes to marriage, pick your battles. That, very true. Yeah. Now, let me answer seriously. Um, this is the difference between being married to somebody whose mind has been polluted by feminism and not. Okay? It did not start out this way. It took years to get to this point. And frankly, without the Holy Spirit, we would have never gotten to this point because it would not have the, the fruit in my own life would not exist that this level of trust would have been generated. Okay. But as time has gone on and I have grown up and matured and so has she submission is not a dirty word to her because of the changes that she has seen in my life. Now she views it as submission, submitting to um, submitting to God and not to me because she sees me doing that. Right. Paul doesn't say, um, follow me because I follow Christ. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We, we submit to what Paul writes in his epistles because the evidence of his life, the testimony of his ministry, Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit. Not, not by its words. No, you know, a tree by its fruits. By the, by the power of his testimony, that then gives credence to the integrity of his writings. That it is very clear there was a, there was a specific purpose, mission, calling, and favor upon his life. So that even whom in Todd's tradition they would consider the OG bishop of the church, even himself was rebuked by Paul. Even himself writes in one of his own epistles. Paul's teachings at times can be hard to understand, but follow them. It's the word of God. So over the years, by God's grace, I've earned that trust. And my wife trusts that in certain areas, if I feel strongly about something, I've earned her trust that I may know something or be um, more informed on something that she is not. And then in other areas where that trust has not yet been earned or she has questions, she now feels it is safe to ask them without getting her head chewed off or we'll come now and we'll reason together. And she's changed my mind on those things quite often. But that's, that didn't happen the first few years we were married. Yeah, that took a long time, you know, and that's why this was meant to be a lifelong commitment. That's why it is the, 
the metaphor that the New Testament uses for Christ and the church, which is an eternal commitment. A relationship that grows and fosters and matures over time. And this is the closest. Uh, A man and a woman, this is the closest we come to that this side of, of eternity. Is that, is that a better answer than the one I originally give or gave? Oh, it, it's all good. I, I would simply add, rem- remember too that uh, the argument may be important. It might even be vital on some level, but I hope that there's still the part of your marriage that's alive, that you, you remember you, you had no right to her. She is a gift and a blessing to you, and that must be honored at all times and in no mm-hmm. way sacrificed to the argument. It's it's not an either or. It, it It's a both. And the fact that you get to have an argument of consequence mm-hmm. with somebody who has agreed to share their life with you means that demands a level of, of respect and honor from you. Your whole, your, your whole point uh, one of your whole points in being her husband is to protect her, to honor her, to cherish her. Uh, never lose sight of that, no matter how important the consequences of the argument might be. Very well said. And um, if you're married to someone who's been infested with feminism, the level, the, I don't even know what the threshold of trust at that point you can reach. Well, uh, because there's, remember, a, there's a worldview issue. But here's the help thing. Help yourself. You did that. You, you, to yourself as the guy. I mean, you may have not gone in eyes wide open, Correct. but you're on the hook for that. Correct. Too. And that's what I was just about to okay. say that, that, that even if that is the case, you are still have the obligation to try and earn it. Yep. You are never absolved as the man, as either a husband, father, leader, you're all those things. Even if, even if you don't, even if right now you're single, you're an or your your parents have passed on. You're single and you work a menial job. Doesn't matter. As a man, you carry with you because of the image of whom you are created in. You carry with you at any point in time in your life. You may assume each of those mantles of leadership, if not all of them simultaneously, at any point in time. Any point of time. Husband, father, leader. Any point in time. That's the expectation of the potential you carry in you because of whose image you are made. So you carry that expectation with you at all times. Even if you're at a time in your life right now, there was a time in my life I was single and worked in a mail room. I didn't, I, I, that would have been my Twitter bio, not two time best-selling author, movie producer with a top 100 podcast. That would not have been my bio, but the expectations were, and I didn't understand that at the time. I thought expectations came with outcomes. No. It is the meeting of those expectations that generates the outcome. It's the other way around. You carry those expectations of that potential with you, which means the, 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 the responsibility of initiative is always, 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 men, it is always on you. You are always to chase your wife. You are always to chase your children. You are never to be the one that says, you guys, uh, I, I just, you know, you guys never come and see me. You go see them. You email them. You call them. Always. And if there is breath in your body, I don't care if you're on your last limb and can't urinate on your own in a nursing home. Have someone text your children for you 
and say, hey, I miss you. Thinking about you. Initiative is always on you until you go to the grave. That is the responsibility. That is what headship means. It does not mean authority. It means responsibility. That is the responsibility that is on you. So, I, hey, if you're married to somebody, I know lots of guys that got married to women like this and then found religion, got serious about belief systems when they start having kids and contemplating eternity. And now you're like, man, I just can't get her to come along with me. I, I know it can be hard, but guess what? That's your responsibility anyway. Your responsibility is to finish your race. That is your job. Number one, first and foremost, your job is to finish your race, whatever that race is, but that is your job. And if you married her, you consented to her being a part, if not the biggest part of that race. So you finish the race. If I may add, because you triggered something, uh, my one of my wife's favorite children's books and it speaks to this how this is in her heart and i think in in all women's hearts who have still not totally shut them off uh to the spirit is is there's a king who's uh, has three men courting his daughter and the test he sets before them is on horseback you put my my daughter on horseback if i'm remembering it correctly and you ride as close to the cliff as possible and stop keeping her safe and the one who's closest to the cliff without going over the ones who wins her heart and the first two dudes get her on then they do that and one gets pretty close the next one gets closer and the third dude he's kind of the meekest mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. To, um he just tells the king uh, i love your daughter deeply but i'm not doing that i'm not putting her in any kind of danger whatsoever and the king says that's the one you get it dude and yep. my wife loves that book because she, and as again she's a mother of four daughters yep. she's like yeah this is this is the ball game yep and you had you had the wherewithal to look me in the eye yeah and stand your ground that is exactly what i was looking for yes that's really good that's really good all right so is this i've teased this a couple times during the show this idea is so good we should have thought of this on our uh, on our own because it's it's actually based off of something we've done on this show before all right. Matt from Michigan sent me this note. I have an idea for how to get Trump's attention. How about you direct your audience to send a copy of Rise of the Fourth Reich to Trump at the Mar-a-Lago in Florida? Not to troll this time like you did with Fauci, but in all seriousness, to try to educate him. Sure, it'll increase some sales. And, and, and frankly, guys, when you get into the tens of thousands of books sold, another 100, 150 books doesn't, doesn't, would have made a huge difference seven years ago when Nefarious Plot came out, but now it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But that is not the goal. It's to get his attention. I think this is a phenomenal idea. Now, I must have gotten hundreds of emails from people when this, we did this with Fauci and Bargain uh, that sent the Amazon shipment receipts to that they had sent to NIID and NIH. I mean, I can't even, I mean, that must've looked like a scene. I got a miracle of 34th street, the amount of books, but even like 10, 20, 30 books with his name on it showed up at the Mar-a-Lago. Here is the address to the Mar-a-Lago. I went and looked it up. You can write this down if you want to do this. In fact, I might do this myself. I might even, you know what? I think after the show, I am. Can you personalize it if you send it to somebody? Can you do that on Amazon? 
I have no idea. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can pretty sure you personalize can. it that it's for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure you can send a message along with I, it. I think I'm gonna do this after the show. That's how good of an idea this is. I'm gonna do it myself. This is the second best idea I've heard today. The best idea I've heard today is Jeremy Boring at the Daily Wire, who did this with razors last year. Now coming out with the non-woke chocolate after what Hershey's was pulling. Yeah. I mean, I just, I already ordered some of that. I did. Of course you did. The she, her does not <laughs> yeah, have nut, nuts. Yeah, nutless, yes. The he, him has nuts. Yes. It's a, it, I mean, that's, that's, that is, I mean, that's cash money, homie. All right. But this is the second best idea I have heard today. This is the address to Mar-a-Lago if you want to send a book to Trump. And you know what you ought to do if you can personalize it? Say, hey, man, I voted for you twice. I think you should be the rightful president right now. But, brother, you got you to gotta hear this out. And the, and the idea that you're going to go through this entire primary process. I mean, I, I like Don Jr. I've never met him. Never met him. But what I see of him is I, he's the one member of the family that clearly speaks our language, right? That, that has no problems getting into the depths of the culture war issues and all this stuff. He, he's, his messaging, his messaging on our issues is better than his father's, frankly, has ever been. It's, he's right on point. Like, like he could step in and just do this show on most days. But he put, out this, he put out this tweet the other day about all the things during COVID they lied about. And one glaring omission in his list, can you think of what it was? Yes. The jab. Yeah. Yeah. And I tweeted back at him. I'm like, hey, you're missing something there. I can just promise you, if, if Donald Trump thinks he's going to get in skirt by this entire process. Like, did you guys see the stuff? You mentioned Jesse Kelly earlier. Did you yeah. see what he was tweeting about this earlier today? I don't think so. I mean, listen, guys, Jesse's on like 300 radio stations and direct TV. And he's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not voting in the primary for President Pfizer. He's got to come correct on this. And he's pretty ruthless about it. If, if, Jesse, even aside, I can just tell you, living in Iowa, I know what the environment is like here. You know, I mean, essentially, that environment is what gave my career its original boost. I'm very well versed in it. One of my very best friends, Bob Vanderplatz, is the most influential voice in the entire Iowa caucus process. I can promise you this. If Donald Trump thinks he's going to escape a serious reckoning on this from voters because he's because he's going to re- yell out over and over again, Ron DeSantis closed the Florida beaches for a week. If he thinks everybody in Iowa is going to be like, oh, snap. OK, cool. I, I don't my Bell's palsy. It's all good. I'm going to, you know, I, I, I've got to, I can't hear like Jenny in my small group has had the ringing in her ears ever since she, for ever since she got it okay if he thinks all those people are just going to be like you know what ron DeSantis closed the florida beaches for a couple of weeks totes cool that you poisoned me and don't have any remorse about yeah. it i can promise you it didn't work last time yeah. when there was matters of less consequence correct and we had one of the most open states since then so it's not gonna work i i can promise you that's not how this works that's not how any of this works And this reckoning would happen whether Ron DeSantis was in the race or not. It might not be as consequential, right? He would still get asked and you might get that crappy answer and it might not be as threatening to his Mm -hmm. political prospects because your other options are Nikki Haley, Mike, you know what I'm saying? You're Mm -hmm. like, well, that answer sucked, but his answers on everything else is better when they're offering me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we would have this reckoning if Ron DeSantis had never been conceived in his mother's womb. This and everything else was the same. I can promise you this reckoning would be coming.
I promise you. I know this state. And I know me. So this reckoning would be coming. And it is. It just is more impactful because you have someone else in the race who is, who, who's better on these issues than he is. And is the only viable threat to him for the nomination. So if Trump thinks he's just going to come to Iowa, so DeSantis is here next week, Trump comes the week after. If DeSantis, if Trump thinks, or maybe it's even a couple days after, if Trump thinks he's just going to, you know, spend a year in Iowa, and every time it comes, well, I, 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 uh, DeSantis shut the beaches down. Uh, nope. No, no. Maybe that'll work on Fox and Friends, but that's not Iowa. That ain't happening here. There will be a reckoning. We can do this. Iowa loves Trump. For as much work as people like Bob and I put into turning this state red, we would not have gotten to the point that we did without Trump. He was the final boost. We, we still struggled to flip rural areas red. He did that for us. I mean, we've had over 30 counties in Iowa that voted for Obama once or twice that voted for Trump twice. So he gets, he gets at least as much credit as people like Bob and I do for the work and, and so many activists in the state for what, the transformation that's happened in Iowa in the last decade. And that is coming from someone that has been as critical on the right, that's been as critical of Trump's COVID policies as anybody has been. I just, because when I'm telling you, when I'm giving him credit, I'm keeping it real. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm not, in my mind, I'm doing that too. But I can promise you, he will lose here. Absolutely. He will lose here. Provided DeSantis is in this race. There's no cancer relapse with Casey or anything of that nature that makes him pull out. If him and Ron, De- if him and Ron DeSantis are both on the ballot next February in the Iowa caucuses, and Donald Trump's best answer to all of this, uh, he shut the beaches down for two weeks, I promise you, mark my words, what's the date today, March 3rd? Mark, Trump will lose. He's going to have to have a better answer than that. Have to. So, if he doesn't want to listen to me, and I can't blame him, I've not necessarily been the greatest friend he's had the last five years. <laughs> All right. I know he'll listen to, a, I, know, I know he likes a lot of you. I know he cares what you think. I do know that. So I would only suggest doing this not to, this is not for a stunt with Fauci. Let's just bury him in, in his own words. In this case, make it personal. Send a note. Say, hey, no one has a more prominent, powerful voice on earth than you do to make what's in this book stop. And that is true. You saw this last week. You guys know I am a DeSantis fanboy. I love him. But again, man, I keep it real. Look at the headlines last week when Trump went to East Palestine. It was like Ron DeSantis didn't exist. He sucked all the oxygen out of the room. There is no one on planet earth whose voice is more powerful and prominent to ending this than his. Particularly because his fingerprints are on most of it. He could be the Saul of Tarsus of this. He could see the light here to bring this conversation full circle to where we were. Pardon me, still getting over my cold. Pardon me, uh, where we were a, a few minutes ago. He could be the Saul here. This could be his epistle. And as much as I love Ron DeSantis, it would make his job of beating him much tougher. 
So here's the address to the Mar-a-Lago. 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida. 33480 is the zip code. I'll say that again. 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida. 33480. One more time. And I, I don't do this unless you want to send a personal note. I, I really don't want this to be a stunt. That's why I didn't tweet a bunch. Of, I'm just, just going to mention it here on the show. 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida, 33480. All right, guys, what do you think? Oh, it's a no-brainer. I have a what do you think for you, because you got me thinking about it based on everything you said. Is it possible now, because that's true? Which, such which an, true? That, that, that the vaccine is an albatross mm-hmm. uh, around his neck. That I've been, why the Wuhan th- clarity now, all of a sudden, across the board? And this uh, call it four dimensional chess, what have you. But this is the left. The more clear it becomes very recently that DeSantis is probably running for president. They, they, the left absolutely would rather run against Trump than against DeSantis at this point in time. I don't. Is there any argument to that? I don't think there's any argument to that. Then yeah. make make Wuhan something about COVID that Trump will go after. Like a dog. And not for any other reason, by the way, other than they already have a template for beating him. They, they've defined yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. If DeSantis becomes the nominee, they have to go, they, they have to, in six months, they have to do the defining of him that they spent six years doing yeah. to Trump, right? So they've got years of defining Trump to, so there's no way, nothing Trump could do to win like 45% of the American populace. Like nothing. The fact he's named Donald Trump, he mm-hmm. might as well be his name is Mud. And so they've, they've built that in against him. They don't have that with a DeSantis yet. Don't think they won't try, of course, but they don't have a six-year campaign of ruining his name that they've done with Trump. That's why I said no doubt. So if you give something that Trump can go on the offensive on as Captain America against the shy it just sucks oxygen out of the room no matter how hard DeSantis tries. I agree. I, I, this to me for the first time puts like why why now are even people on the left willing to because they can use Wuhan in a different way. Yes. We take the origin story off and then you just turn around. Fox is now allowing us to talk about COVID injuries, jab injuries on most of their shows. We only know Fox doesn't want Trump to be the nominee. You can see where this is all going. They're going to pin this entire damn thing on him, guys, about this time next year. Fox will be doing it. Lib Media will be doing it. Hey, we came clean about the origins. You want to be Captain Pfizer? It's all yours, brother. You're right. You get all the credit for everything else. No, but going you after can see China, where this is going. But going after China, which he has a propensity to do, yep. this gives him the, like to, to actually help him win Here's the nomination. The, there, as much as I think DeSantis is the better candidate for this era and would make a better president, there's I have no idea that he could even win in November of next year. How many more people are going to die of this jab? How many more, how many kids, how many more kids are going to get myocarditis that's going to take years off the back end of their life between now and November? I, absolutely, I would, without question, trade. Because here's what happens if Trump comes to the, if Trump is Saul of Tarsus on this, then the entire right in America, the Overton window guys, if Trump said, if Trump gives the all clear, all right, man, kill, go to kill this thing. If Trump gives that all clear, if you think the Overton window on the right is about right here, 
on the jab. Guys, it's, you've shattered the window. You've shattered it. Everybody on the right who's not talking about the jab now or going, look at his own son. His own son nailed everything about COVID as a lie, left one thing off the board. If his dad comes clean about this, you think Don Jr. is going to probably mention it now too? Hell yeah, he is. You see my point? Yeah. That will literally save lives now. Now. It'll save lives now. As opposed to, I'm tired of waiting for the next election, guys. Even if I think the next election might deliver me a once-in-a-lifetime candidate. Aren't you tired of waiting for... Damn, we get told that every time. Do something now. He can. And if it delivers him another four years and gives him a jerk-off feed of his ego, great. He earned it. I don't care. Talk to Ron DeSantis again in 2028. He can, he can t- play a big role in ending this right now. He sat in rooms with the horse doctor, Al Borla, and listened to their pitches. He knows where all the bodies are buried. He can flip all the money changers over right now. Be the disruptor you all think he is. He could do it right now on the most disruptive, disgusting, destructive policy this government's ever done to its own citizens in modern times. We Tuskegee experimented the entire population. He could end it or go a big role in doing so. I would trade that for seven Ron DeSantis terms. But the ball is in his court. With so much let's go brandoning in the world, you never know when it might hit the food supply. We've already seen hints of it like baby formula, uh, eggs, at the highest cost in terms of uh, rate of inflation, maybe in all of human history, or at least as long as we've been recording such things. Um, you never know what it might hit the food supply as a whole. Make sure you're ready and prepared with our friends at My Patriot Supply. They will prepare you with their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even snacks and drinks. The full complement of the 2,000-plus calories that you need each and every day uh, for three months and They stay good. Uh, These kits do for up to 20 plus years with proper storage. And right now, uh, they'll also throw in $200 worth of survival gear as a free bonus. $200 worth of survival gear as a free bonus. And all of this comes with free shipping. All of it comes with free shipping. When you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, that's MyPatriotSupply.com. Make sure you're prepared for the worst case scenario because we seem to be seeing a lot more of those these days. MyPatriotSupply.com. I just want to put one final bow on what we were just saying, and I mean this. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it like we do with the Fauci thing. We're not going to be promoting it and talking about it. After this moment, I'm probably never bringing it up again. All right? But if you do this, if you take Matt and Michigan's idea, only do it um, for two reasons. I want, I'm going to say this. One, we're dealing with somebody with a prodigious ego. Uh, so I, I don't think coming at him hot is going to work. <laughs> All right. Um, I know a thing or two about that. It doesn't really work with me. Um, the other thing, though, too, is I, the guy did a lot of great things for the country. And... I can't, I don't get a chance to listen to a lot of our peers across the Pantheon, but I would imagine we might um, whine and lament about the things about Trump that annoy us as much as any other show does on the right. Okay, that's an actual, that's the actual right. All right, I'm not, not, 
the Washington Examiner. Well, he's not nice. I don't give a sh- I don't give a crap about any of that. I almost dropped a swear word myself. I don't I don't care. I mean, on the stuff that just makes it harder for him to do the things we want him to do. That's that's what we lament. Like these are unnecessary gripes, needless um, tinkerings. You know what I'm saying? It ma- it makes the stuff we want him to do harder on himself doing it. That's what laments and which, frustrates us. Which, to your point, which he was so successful at doing, and the left knew that that as well. Which is why they had to do the whole COVID thing and the electioneering Correct. in the first place. That's how much they feared how you were starting to think Correct. about him. Correct. They absolutely stole the election from him. I have not wavered on that since election night on the blaze. I've seen nothing that has deterred my opinion whatsoever. Even if I thought, frankly, some of the people on his own side making the case made terrible cases, never once deterred me from my own thoughts, analysis, and evidences to that fact. And we'd all be much better off if he were the president right now. So only do this, please, if you're going to do it respectfully. I think he's earned that level of respect. If nothing else, if nothing else, there are, there are since last June... There have been babies in America. There have been people that have been the permitted and granted the privilege of being born an American since Roe v. Wade was smashed last June. That would not have been if Donald Trump had never been president. We cannot deny that, mm-hmm. correct? So please, if you do this, make it respectful. He's earned that, even from someone who is a vocal critic at times like myself. 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida, 33480. That's 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida, 33480. That's the address to the Mar-a-Lago, and we're never bringing it up again. Case closed. Well, unless by some miracle, he actually picked up the phone and said, all right, let's do something about it, or acted on it, then we would. But short of that, we're turning the page. Tamara Lee writes... I would still like to see a text or Twitter size reason from you to help me explain to other believers why they should go and take others um, uh, to nefarious. But I think uh, the conversation you had on the show yesterday really helped. I think the key repeatedly that you the key that you repeated is your comment that the movie is from a Christian worldview. Uh, And I like the fact that you guys said too many, when it comes to spiritual warfare, too many believers give too much power and credit to the enemy. I think even nefarious says in the trailer, He points this out. Yep. When he says his his name, uh, his native name is Nefariamus, that names are important. They have power. They let everyone know who we are. This is why Nefarious in the book and in the movie refers to Christ as the carpenter. He can't say his name. He can't say his name. And they don't in the Gospels. Are you the one? Are you the anointed? Are you the one that is... They don't shout out Jesus. They can't say his name. They're forsaken. His name is holy. Can't purse their lips. They can't proclaim it. And so, neither does Nefarious. That's why he refers to him as the carpenter. It would be anathema to his banished, damned state to say his name. Names are important. They have power. They let everyone know who we are. See, when the... See, and Tamara Lee, you're figuring it out. When the world sees that trailer this weekend in theaters, they're going to see, wow, this looks like a pretty dope movie. 
That looks like the pretty badass demon. This looks like a different kind of demon-possessed movie than what I've seen before, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's what we're hoping they're going to say. That's, that's why we made it the way to look and feel and sound the way that it is. But you will see, and this is where we need to have eyes to see. Nefarious is a demon as a character. But there is no real demon named Nefarious. I created him as a caricature. Everything Nefarious says in the book theologically is orthodoxed right out of the scriptures. Nefarious doesn't violate Sola Scriptura one time. I used him as a character, caricature, as a vehicle to, to, to try and get away with saying very blunt things to a people that right now has walked in so much darkness. They feel like even if the light showed up, they would feel like I'm, I can't, I can't even look at it. I'm so, I'm so unworthy of it. We follow that MO in the movie. Now, as we get closer to the release of the movie, The reason why you haven't heard me tweet a lot about this angle of the film, and as we get closer to the movie, we will. In fact, we just had a long marketing call last night and talked about this. We will as we get closer to the movie. If we do this from the jump, we risk spoiling the movie's evangelistic potential. When you saw trailers for Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness last year was the whole trailer about the fact that the female lead comes from a timeline where, uh, where there's only women and therefore she has two moms. And the whole trailer was about how she's wearing their uh, two moms pendant rainbow pendant on her jean jacket. Did, did they make a big point of that when you saw the marketing for Dr. Strange last year? No, no. They make a big point of that when you went and saw the movie, Dr. Strange last year. Yeah, they did. Made a real big point about it, in fact. See where I'm going with this? Yes. Yeah. Because if they had gone knock at the cabin style and just showed you the whole thing was a rainbow jihad horror flick, which is what, that's why it flopped. That's why it's a flop. They, they were brutally honest with you. And a lot of us, if they had not been brutally honest with, thought, oh, I liked, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's blank. So I'll give this one another try. Plus, I want to get out of the house in January, right? Right? Mm-hmm. But since they started off with, and here's the two gay guys that adopted their custom uh, Asian baby. And they're going to save the world with their gay family, custom, with their designer family outside of God's will. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Since they led with the chin, what did our people do? Stay at home. Because they were honest. Maybe transparent's a better way of putting it. Not honest, but transparent. And to your point, I know several of the uh, reviews of the trailer have been out, but the first one, which you mentioned on the show already, is like from Believe Entertainment. Yeah, that Believe Entertainment. Yeah. I mean, they know nothing about the movie other than the two minutes they saw there, and that's what they did to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there was a mainstream horror site that did a review of our trailer, and it essentially said, this trailer's dope, but don't we hate these guys? Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially its review. Yeah. Our, this trailer is like, whoa, but aren't we supposed to hate these people? All right. So we need you guys in the church to be a little bit more discerning. I know you're used to ham fisted, hippy dippy. Come see the cheesy salvation scene at the end of the movie movie. I know you're used to that. 
That's not changing anybody's hearts and minds. So we need you to be a little, this is a different era, you know? I mean, Tolkien and Lewis could just get away with, people were more critical thinking, more understanding. Okay, I get it, the White Witch, all right, that's Satan, all right, uh, always winter, never Christmas, so there's no redemption. Okay, I get that. You see what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. they figured it out on their own. They had been, well, they were still generations that were properly catechized, okay? We need you guys to be a little bit more discerning. The guys who did the unplanned film where they punched Planned Parenthood in the face, mouth, and throat didn't just over the last couple of years watch COVID nearly kill him and say, you know what, guys, let's just, you know, let's just, uh, uh, let's make the devil cool. That's not, we're not doing that, guys, <laughs> right? We need you to be a little bit more discerning. Even plenty of times in the Gospels, Jesus says, after he does miracles, hey, keep that between us for right now. Now's not the time to, you know, there's a reason why I'm not wearing, a, I'm not tripping through the daisies of Galilee wearing a Messiah shirt. For everything, there's a time and a place. When the time comes, the time will come when Caiaphas will look me in the eye and say, are you the Christ? And that is the moment now that I will say right to his freaking face. And you will see the son of man descending on the clouds. I'll quote his own scriptures, Daniel, right back to him, right to his face. That time will come. But does it come at the very beginning of the story? No. And neither does that time come at the very beginning of our marketing. You need to be a little bit more discerning and trust us. Now, we do agree that we need to let you guys in. We need to give you guys a little bit more rope because our initial marketing isn't really offering you any. So as we get closer to the release, more of the worldview of the film will be highlighted. But we absolutely made this evangelistically. And... We made, the, we made a movie now that you can take your unbelieving friends and family members to. And particularly your young people. I mean, the reactions we, we have gotten from this, from young people around the country has been incredible. Because they've given up on our systems. I got an email in my inbox I don't have time to get to that I'm going to probably get to next week talking about how, you know, we homeschooled our kids. They all love the Lord. They have all their heads on straight, have no interest in politics at all. Just think, you know, the entire system's corrupt and no one get they're, they're all homeless, even though they're all as right wing as you can get. They've given up on our systems. I love Jesus revolution. I think it's really well done. If I was 25 years old, it would say nothing to me as much as I love that film. It wouldn't. Okay. My, I, you know, I, it, 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 would, it would be okay. Boomer to me. It's a bunch as my grandparents having a, having a, having a, a Jesus uh, reunion. It would, it would say nothing to me. We need to start speaking to them and in a language that they will understand. That is the irony of Jesus' revolution is Jonathan, is it Remy or Rumi? I can't remember how it's pronounced. Who plays Jesus right. in The Chosen, who's oh, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. But this is what his character says. Hey, to the hippie generation, if you want to reach the hippies who are off there getting, losing their minds on drugs and sex, you have to speak in a language that they understand. This is the language they understand. They have been mired in the occult. They have been mired in darkness. Our Lord is sovereign over those areas. He is sovereign over the occult. He is sovereign over the darkness. All of those forces are not to be feared. They all answer to him. Either we believe he is 
the ruler of God's creation, as he proclaims in Revelation, that all authority has been granted to him under heaven and earth, as he says at his ascension, that this is his world. There is not a square inch of this creation over which Christ does not proclaim, that is mine. Copyright Abraham Kuyper. So we know you're used to the pure flicks model. You're used to getting petted. Yes, come in here from the dark world and we'll show you that Jesus wins. We want them to come in from the dark world, guys. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. We want them to come in. Trust us. Do you guys think you listen to the show every day? Every day. You've seen how many times I've refused to cut corners. I've refused to be flexible. I've refused to give an inch when it would have benefited me plenty of times financially to do so. Trust me. And you think now, now I'm going to go ahead and say, here's your new Jason Voorhees. Here's your new Freddy Krueger. No. This is going to say everything you want it to say, both to the church and the unchurched. But sometimes to get people to listen, you have to start the conversation saying the things that they understand first. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. I'll be very deeply frustrated if that does not translate. This is as um, important a thing as Steve has ever done. Um, it has life-changing revival potential. And I'm the guy on the show. I'm, like, like I, I think it is midnight. If it's if it's only eleven fifty nine, and I'm wrong, it's going to be because of stuff like this. I just read the mainstream review of the trailer that you just both of you just referenced a, a few moments ago. Boy, do they have no idea what's coming. <laughs> they have no freaking clue. Yeah. They are going to get punched in the face. Some of them will get. Some of them will recognize what's actually happening and get very pissed. And that's. If, Steve, if there are, if every single one of these people picks up what you're putting down and gets pissed and walks, walks out, are you going to be satisfied? Yep. Because I'm, I'm here yeah, to deliver the message. Yep. 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 Almost 90% of the people who go see this film, of what, no matter, that covers all walks of life, are going to be uh, Han Solo in the, uh, the reboot. Uh, that's not how I thought this day was going to go. <laughs> no. You know, that's a great point. And and here's the thing too, when you see the movie, it doesn't it it does start off and go the way you think it is going to go. That's intentional as well. Because if we lead with our chin in the first five or ten minutes, you'll walk out and ask for a refund. We don't we want you to we want you to be so pot committed. Well, we want them to be so pot committed. So it's only until we get about forty minutes into the movie that all of a sudden, speaking of Han Solo, we go into hyperdrive. And the whole thing flips on its axis. And by that point in time, you got to ask yourself, am I just pot committed to kind of see this thing through? That's what we do, right? How many, how many terrible forms of entertainment have they made for us? That halfway through the show, halfway through the series, we know now what they're doing, but we finish it anyway because we want to see how the story ends. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do to them. Have a great weekend. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Uh, we're back again on Monday. Uh, and uh, don't forget, subscribe at blazetv.com slash day so you never have to worry about big tech censorship. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.